The Bible has arguably been the most controversial book of all times. It's also been a perennial bestseller. Perhaps because of all the books published throughout history, the Bible is one of the few that claims to have answers to the deepest issues of life. These are the issues of origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. It also claims to be authored by the creator of life and of the entire universe. Now, in more recent times, other books have been written claiming insight into many of these same issues. In fact, roughly 70,000 books have been written on the topic of raising kids alone. But the Bible remained the preeminent go-to source for parents worldwide until fairly recently. Well, now it's become more of a dust collector than a just director for our families. And to paraphrase a popular self-proclaimed expert, how's that been working for us? Perhaps it's time to return to Parenting by the Book, this dangerous book. And we'll talk about that today on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome once again to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis and, by extension, their families. I'm Rich Rosel, and our host on License to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill. And uh, Trace, when pop psychology and traditional approaches to helping troubled teenagers fall short, Shepherd's Hill Academy remains a proving ground for the truth and the power of God's written word to, to heal not just the kids whom you describe as having one foot in jail or one foot in the grave when they come here, but their entire families as well, as I mentioned a moment ago in the opening. And while some who might want to duplicate what you do at Shepherd's Hill, they might just want to study your clinical approaches, you say that's not the whole story. You really attribute the lion's share of the healing uh, that goes on here to the truth and power of God's Word, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, the clinical team here at Shepherd's Hill is just doing what's congruent with what the Bible has been teaching folks for thousands of years. And and one of those things is leading people to healthy and, and, and right thinking. I mean, without the Bible— uh, how do we know what healthy and right thinking actually is? Uh, the, the Bible really is the ultimate psychology book, Rich. Uh, but it's much more than that. It, it, it reveals God and his redemptive purposes. Uh, it, it leads us to right being. Uh, mental health professionals have their own Bible of sorts also, by the way. It's called the DSM, the yeah. Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Uh, they'd say uh, that's where right thinking is discovered. But uh you know, if, if things keep going as they've been going in the mental health circles in recent times, Christianity itself might eventually be found as an actual disorder in the DSM. You know, these days, uh, many secular mental health professionals would say that, uh, that that Christians aren't exercising right thinking because we 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 trust the Bible as our, as our final arbiter of truth. And unlike the Bible, the DSM is secular man's attempt to, to create his own final arbiter of truth when it comes to mental health. The problem is it's never final. It changes every so often. So, for, for example, homosexuality used to be considered a, a mental illness in the DSM. Uh, that is until 1973 when industry politics and lobbyists for the uh, LGBT movement got started or, or got involved, rather. But the DSM doesn't address morality. It doesn't address spirituality, two components essential for healthy living and raising kids. The concept of sin, uh, or even the word sin, is never mentioned in the DSM, but the Bible certainly does. Uh, and, and, and down through the years, it's, the Bible's done a pretty good job of substantiating itself as a valid ar final arbiter of truth, and not just for mental health, but for all reality. So, you know, my question is, why scrap it now? I mean, I, I don't know. But I do like what G.K. Chesterton said about that. He says, before you tear down a fence, 
You might want to find out why it was put up to begin with. Right. Uh, without the Bible, I know Shepherd's Hill would, would likely be just another therapeutic program uh, and school. Uh, and I'm not trying to make this a commercial for Shepherd's Hill, but I, I really don't mind making it a commercial for this so-called dangerous book uh, that we call the Bible. Because I, I truly believe that it's our firm commitment to God and his word, his written word, the Bible, his re- revelatory word, the Holy Spirit, and, and of course, his incarnate word, the very person of Jesus Christ that's behind the miraculous transformations that we see at, at Shepherd's Hill regularly, uh, as politically incorrect as that might sound. But it's the written word, the Bible, that actually gives us that physical, you know, read it in my own, with my own eyes in black and white direction and, and, and system of accountability that renders us the assurance that it's really the Lord leading us the right way with these kids and their families. And yet, you know, even when, uh, when those instances seem to defy conventional theory uh, or, or pop psychology itself, uh, we've never regretted going with Scripture. Uh, we've always found the Bible to be, to be right, and sometimes the DSM in error. And, and I've actually heard secular mental health professionals who've, who've had to admit that. Why? Because it's backed up with good science. We've seen over and over again where pop psychology has had to reinvent itself when new science is discovered on any particular issue. And I'm thinking of the whole self-esteem uh, thing, you know. Uh, that's just one thing that comes to mind. You know, why would anyone want a juvenile delinquent feeling good about being a juvenile delinquent? But where science and psychology are actually right, the Bible's already beat them to the punch. Uh, the long and short of it is this. This dangerous book we call the Bible, it's only dangerous when it's misapplied or not applied at all. Automobiles are dangerous, but they sure make life better for all of us when, when we're willing to take that awful risk of learning to use them responsibly. And the same is true for the Word of God. Absolutely. Well, you've mentioned this dangerous book several times, and that does come into play here with today's guests. Joining us today to share their insights into the power of Scripture and the benefit on our daily lives and the lives of our kids are two people who have not only written about this dangerous book, but have also actually funded and built an amazing new museum about the Bible in Washington, D.C., You may know Steve Green best in his role as president of Hobby Lobby, which is the largest privately owned arts and crafts retailer in the world. He and his wife Jackie have written a book about the Bible called This Dangerous Book, but they're also part of the founding family, if you will, of the Museum of the Bible, which is the largest international museum in the world devoted solely to the presentation and preservation of the Bible. Now, this facility opened its doors back in November of 2017, but uh, since 2009, the Greens have actually been collecting biblical artifacts from all around the world and today possess one of the largest collections in the world. Steve and Jackie provide unique insight and commentary into the Bible's role in our public and our personal lives. And uh, by the way, let me mention uh, for Jackie, not only is she... Uh, involved in active support of Steve and his role as president of Hobby Lobby. But um, she is an adoptive mom who served on the advisory board of local crisis pregnancy center. She's worked with her family in orphanages worldwide. And since this is a parenting program, I must hasten to mention Jackie's and Steve's biggest credentials. They are both parents of six children and they have four grandchildren, and that's what it takes to be on this program. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Steve and Jackie, welcome to License as a Parent. It's a pleasure and a privilege to have you on. Thank you, Rich and Trace. We're happy to be here. Well, before we get started, I I just want to first commend you and thank you both for for leveraging God's blessing in your lives to to keep the world aware of just how significant Scripture really is. Um, 
for all of mankind, uh, but particularly for our country. Uh, what you've done is such, in, in such a short amount of time is, is absolutely amazing. So, so thanks again. But uh, tell us about this dangerous book and, and what you mean by the title. Well, I'll start off with that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you know, the, the book, this dangerous book, is the title of our book, but we're really talking about the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we know that there are many parts of the world that people have been at great risk for owning a Bible or being a part of translating scripture for us through history. And it, and it has posed danger in their lives. Uh, and even today there are people that, that are at risk um, for their lives to own a Bible or to be sharing the Bible, the word mm-hmm. with others. So sure. uh, that's what we're referring to in that, you know, overall we really want to point people to, to be intrigued by this book that is the best-selling book of all time that has influenced and impacted all of our lives in many ways, and then I would venture to say on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So what makes this book more dangerous than, say, the Koran? Well, and I'll pick up from there, and not, not only is it uh, uh, throughout history uh, uh, people have given their life for it, but uh, just on a personal level, what we share in our own life is that it, it has redirected our life uh, in ways that we weren't anticipating or planning on it. Because if we follow the principles of this book, um, uh, it, it, it uh, causes us to, to make decisions that may not be what we would naturally do. Mm-hmm. And uh, even, you know, the, uh, the most a visible example of that would be uh, the Supreme Court case where uh, we we were told by the uh, medical mandate that we had to take part of taking life by uh, providing free abortifacients to our employees. Congratulations and we, on that, by the way. We felt like we just couldn't do that. So, mm-hmm. well, thank you. Um, so, so it led us on a path to to stand up for the freedoms and the convictions that we had, um, and it, it exposed us to to danger in our our family as well. Mm. Yeah, you know, I heard someone say the difference between genuine faith and false religion is the person of genuine faith will die for their faith. Uh, the false religion will kill for theirs. Uh, kind of makes sense. Uh, Steve, how has the Museum of the Bible been received so far? I know you haven't been open that long, and I'm, and I'm planning a trip right now with my with my kids to go. Uh, as, as far as attendance and visitor feedback, uh, how's things been received? The reports that I'm getting, uh, and I probably hear more of the positive reports, um, has, has really been overwhelmingly positive. I think uh, a couple of comments that seem to come up regularly. One is I didn't have enough time uh, because you could spend days in the museum, sure. um, uh, there, you, and you'll never fully uh, be able to uh, take it all in. But um, the other is that it exceeded our expectations. Um, so. You know, when 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 you first think of a Bible museum, it may not you may not think of something real exciting. Um, you know, a a book in a language that I don't understand and under a glass case. But <laughs> what we've done is we've really used technology to help us tell that story in a very engaging way. Cre- uh, engage some of the leading design firms in the country to help us uh, tell the story because it's got an incredible story and it just needs to be sure to be told in an incredible way. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, what we strive to do. And our visitors are saying that uh, uh, it exceeded their expectations. So that's those are good reports to have. Absolutely. Uh, Jackie, how well does it hold the interest of kids, particularly the smaller ones? 
Uh, you know what? We've seen that evidence with our own grandchildren that are eight, six, four, and two right now, and um, they they love it. Um, they, you know, there is a children's area on the first floor where they can go and they can throw balls in the lion's mm-hmm. mouth and they can, uh, you know, uh, do the push over the pillars, you know, like Samson oh, yeah. and. And there's just scripture immersed in there and Bible stories for them. So there is a, an area where they can kind of get some energy out, but be engaging with the Bible and the story of the Bible. Um, you know, there there are so many different levels of ways that we can in, engage people in the Bible. Um, there are, you know, we have the impact floor, the history floor, and the narrative floor, where it's just the story of the Bible. So there, there's a, an Old Testament area where you can do a walkthrough where it just, engages you with um, the story in the Old Testament. And then there's a New Testament theater that can watch the basic overview of the New Testament stories with a visual, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got to be able to, to um, interest them with the, the kinesthetic, the visual, the auditory. Sure. We've kind of got all concepts engaged there um, and ways that they can learn more about the Bible. So. Well, that's awesome. Well, I, I have a quick question about this. In the Samson area, do kids get a free haircut? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, good idea. We'll have to take, uh, consider that. Well, I'm as ADHD as any kid in our program, and uh, I can tell you, I would probably need that section myself. <laughs> um, did you guys ever uh, intend this project to require that uh, you had to be somewhat of a theologian slash historian who's been forced to defend your every move, motive, and theological stance during the course of this project? No, that's never been the the design. One of the things that I have said is there is no building that can contain this book's story. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the narrative floor, as Jackie alluded to, uh, the New Testament theater is 11 minutes. We cover the New Testament in just over 11 minutes. So we are really scratching the surface of this book story. So we don't have time, and the, the idea is not to get into the theological weeds. Uh, those are good discussions. I enjoy them, and, uh, you know, Scripture talks about iron sharpens iron, but 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 our point is just to point to Scripture at a high level, uh, showing its history, its impact, and its narrative, and we have a floor that is focused on each of those. So a person has a, a basic understanding at a high level of, of what this book is all about. How how did your family get involved in collecting biblical artifacts back several years ago anyway? I mean, that's was it like you were just out traveling around and all of a sudden a great opportunity came up? Or, or was this a, a whole planned thing of we really need to capture this? Well, it, it was in 2009 when we bought our first artifact, and, uh, and it was because of a good uh, opportunity that came about. Now, the opportunity that was mentioned, we didn't get, but as other opportunities were being looked at, uh, there were many that became available partly because of the economy. Um, uh, we had an item that we acquired from Cambridge that uh, they were, uh, because the the markets were off, they were needing some, some revenue and decided to sell an item that they had sitting on their shelf, and and we acquired it. It's a significant item for us. So um, uh, not knowing that we would be able to collect as much as we did, we were able to collect a lot of items rapidly, and that's when the family really sensed that, uh, you know, we need to make sure this dream happened because we were first looking at helping, you know, another group that wanted to have a museum, but uh, as, as our collection grew, uh, the family we just felt like we needed to make sure it, it happened. And and are those uh, artifacts now, for the most part, all on display at the museum, or some of them are? Or? 
Yeah, there's always going to be a small percent of any collection that's kind of your key items that you put on display. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is it's really a collaborative effort. Uh, It's really a worldwide collaboration. There's over 40 individuals and institutions that have items within the museum. Uh, For example, the Vatican has their own space on the first floor, and uh, Israeli Antiquity Authority has space on the fifth floor where they have items that they will be able to bring over and share. And and then individual collectors that uh, have loaned us items. And uh, so um, our our collection was kind of what... uh, laid the groundwork, but uh, as we've gone out and shared our story, it's been exciting to see others that say, hey, I want to help in telling that story as well. That's fabulous. Well, Steve, sadly, uh, we now live in a country where scripture isn't held in the same regard as it used to be. Uh, Today, media hacks will tap the four corners of the earth to try to marginalize you, your family, your motives, our faith. Uh, the museum, and and God and the Bible itself. Many of our kids are likely to come across some of these uh, media hacks on the Internet, uh, or at least hear about them, and and then challenge their parents to clarify some things for which parents might not be equipped to answer. Is there anything that comes to mind that that you might want to alert parents to that might uh, help them head off at the past, something that a kid might interpret or receive in a way that's contrary to your mission for the the museum or, or or the Bible itself? Well, I think that um, I, was, I was listening to a gentleman speaking at a Tim Keller event, and he had a slide, and he said the Bible is typically attacked in one of two ways. It's either it's just not true, it's it's just a bunch of fables, or it's been uh, harm to society. It's not been good. Um, and, and so that that's kind of the, the attacks are going to typically face one of those two. And um, when we are ignorant of this book, and in our society, we know that this book less than ever, and I would argue primarily because we don't teach it in our schools as we once used to, Mm -hmm. then people are susceptible to believe that. And what we argue is you ought to at least be educated on what you believe. If you want to believe it's a fable, fine, but be educated on that belief. And, And that's what on our history floor, we show the evidence for this book. Time and time again, archaeology has shown that uh, the, the book is accurate in what it has said. We can't prove it all to be true, but uh, we can show that time and time again, the book's shown to be true. And our impact floor really shows that this book speaks into every area of life, and it's impacted every area of life. And yes, there have been men that have used it for their own selfish ill intent, but don't blame the Bible for man's misuse of it. Right. Um, when we follow the principles of this book, it's been good for mankind in practically every area of life, and that's what we show on the impact floor. Yeah. We're talking today with Steve and Jackie Green, authors of the book This Dangerous Book, and founders of the newly opened Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., This is Licensed to Parent, back with more conversation in just a moment. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. 
Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You'll find this program and all of our past programs in the archives on our website at licensedtoparent.org. And we're talking today with Steve and Jackie Green about the book, This Dangerous Book, about the Bible and the, uh, the truth behind Scripture. They're also the founders of the newly opened Museum of the Bible, which you will find right in the heart of Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And Jackie, uh, as, as you and Steve have several children that you've raised and now grandchildren in the picture as well, what lessons do you remember teaching your kids about the truth of Scripture and why understanding the Bible, where it comes from, and what it tries to tell us, why that's so important? Well, first of all, you know, Steve would be the one that would go more deep with our kids. We have six kids, and um with a 20-year age range. <laughs> so, wow. so we still have, you know, an 11-year-old is our, our youngest. We're from 11 to 31-year-old right now. Yeah, but, my family. Um, <laughs> we've, we've had a lot of parenting experience, and now, um, as I mentioned earlier, we have grandkids starting right under our youngest child, 11-year-old for our youngest, and then 8, 6, 4, and 2 for our grandkids. Mm. But, um, you know, first of all, I'm kind of more of the where the rubber meets the road person with our training with the Bible. Um, and what I mean by that is using it as our guidebook for all of the questions and, and life situations that come up um, to point our children to, you know, I might not have all the answers as a parent. Um, you know, I'm not perfect. Uh, their father is not perfect, but our Heavenly Father is, and He, you know, is the author of this book, the Bible, that we, we go to for our guidebook for life. And uh, to, to really teach them that, um, you know, if they're questioning things, let's, let's find the answers in the Word. Mm-hmm. And that's been such an invaluable resource. Um, you know, we feel like we can have all the books on all the answers of parenting and, and, you know, questions that come up in life, all different kinds of situations. But even if we just had the Bible, that would be enough, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, everything, all, all the other good advice that I can give them stems from the principles taught within the Bible. And so it has just been invaluable for our life. It is our main go-to. Um, 
And if we read a book that that is presenting information that's not supported in the Bible, then I would not go to that book. I I would not recommend it. I think the principles that are founded in the Word are really all that that we need to go to. And ultimately, it's it's faith. It's it's we're reporting our faith. And even the atheist exercises faith. He just puts it in a different place. Steve, uh, we we know the Bible as, as being God's love story to his creation, but some people, uh, and sometimes including many of our kids these days, they don't see it that way anymore. Uh, how should parents respond when their kids read about a God that they would claim to be a pro-slavery, sadistic, and murderous megalomaniac? Yeah, and that's that's the kind of message that uh, you will common, commonly get. And um, and I, I think many times a uh, the argument starts in the weeds. And what I like to to say is, you know, before you learn calculus, you le- you need to learn basic addition and subtraction. And mm-hmm. um, and in in the museum, the way we look at it is at a vi- very high level. You know, when Jesus says all the law and the prophets are summed up in in two laws. The first is to love God and to love others. Okay. Well, if we're getting that the Bible says something other than that, we are probably misunderstanding the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible is not for us to interpret uh, however we want it to. The question is, what is its message? And uh, there are some challenges, but let's let's just start at a high level and understand that when you know the Ten Commandments tell us not to kill and steal and uh, be faithful, uh, those are good guidelines for us to live right. by, to treat our neighbor as we would want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, that at a high level is what this book teaches, and if we're getting something different than that, then uh, maybe we don't understand what the Bible is saying. So when we say, uh, or the society says that God is uh, a evil God, then that's not what the Bible says. We're we're saying something that the Bible doesn't say, because it, it says He is a loving good God that mm-hmm. uh, died for our sins. And um, uh, so we, we need to let the Bible speak for itself, and that's what we try to do in the museum. Yeah. Final thoughts of encouragement that you'd like to leave our, our parents uh, raising kids in an age of skepticism. Well, I, I think that uh, we have an incredible gift that God has given us in His Word. Uh, it tells us that He loves us. It gives us hope. It lets us know that we are all imperfect. We make mistakes, but He is a loving, forgiving God. Uh, if we just come to Him, He, uh, the Creator of all, uh, wants to be there for us and guide and direct us in our lives, and that is a tremendous story to be told and why we love pointing people to the Bible. Amen. And again, thank you so much for what you're doing over there. Yeah. Our guests today on Licensed to Parent have been Steve and Jackie Green, authors of the book, This Dangerous Book, and founders of the newly opened Museum of the Bible, which is located in Washington, D.C. You can find the book online at thisdangerousbook.com, and you can learn more about the Museum of the Bible at museumofthebible.org. Steve and Jackie, thank you. We appreciate you being with us. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank for you. And thank you for listening today. This is Licensed to Parent, and you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Remember that the work that we do here on Licensed to Parent is but an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. As we mentioned, Shepherd's Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program working with teens in crisis. Now, you can help that work continue through your tax-deductible gifts that help keep this radio program on the air and also provide scholarships to families 
who can't afford residential care. So please help us today. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click on the Donate button. Again, that web address, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on the program is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>